You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. This week's program is brought to you by Symbiosis. You know, I've been single for a long time, and I've tried a lot of dating websites. I've tried Christian Crush. I've even tried Sovereign Grace Singles. What I find is that these sites just cast the net too wide. And that's why I came up with Symbiosis. Is symbiosis for everyone? Well, no, no, no. Only for those who meet the entrance requirements and use the website. Now that's, that's fascinating, Ben. What do some of these entrance requirements consist of? As a single man myself, I'm intrigued. First of all, you have to be a person. Second, you have to be a Christian. Right on. You also have to be reformed in your theology. You've got to be a pedo-baptist and a super-lapsarian. Who isn't? <laughs> well, you'd be surprised, Nathan. But trust me, it saves a lot of time if you can narrow it down before you even get on the website. You also have to enjoy chiptunes, like the compositions of well-known chiptune video game music composer Samuel Asher Weiss. And movies like Takeshi Kitano's abstract Yakuza movie, Fireworks. And books like the difficult, dense literary science fiction of Gene Wolfe. Have you ever read The Book of the New Sun? Ha! You're gonna love symbiosis. Now, Ben, this is suddenly sounding pretty specific. Well, Nathan, isn't it great to think that you could finally find a dating website where you fit right in and you don't even have to wonder, oh, what kinds of people are gonna get thrown at me today that I'm gonna have to weed out? This person doesn't even listen to jazz inspired by Lord of the Rings. They don't even know it exists. Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. If you don't enjoy the jazz of John Sangster, forget it. Symbiosis isn't for you. This is sounding more and more specific. And then weight range is 135. That's for men, and that's what women have to be looking for to be on the site. If you're a lady who's looking for those qualities, let me tell you, there's not a better dating website anywhere on the internet. So, Ben, I've noticed that there are these little periods after... Oh, yeah, is that... Well... Yes, it, it is it is an acronym, actually. Uh, I, wasn't, Wait, I wasn't gonna talk about that, but you guys brought it up, so. Ben, what does what does symbiosis stand for? Oh, uh, well, it. <laughs> ben, what does right. what do, what does the it acronym stand for? Cells. Right, yeah, it means symbiosis. Solcer's your man, but I'm only seeking ideal specimens. <laughs> symbiosis. <laughs> So, Solcer's your man, but I'm only I'm like you. Like I said, you, you don't want to be you too personal. Literal. Well, there you go, folks. If you're interested in something very specific, <laughs> then go to Symbiosis, I guess. Ladies, I'll be waiting. I mean, the website will be waiting for you. I'll be waiting, as in the website will be waiting for you to sign up for Symbiosis. Symbiosis, not creepy at all. Welcome to Sound of Sanity. This is Nathan Alberson, your humble and obedient host. We're joined by our good friend, Pastor Jacob Menzel. How are you doing today, Jacob? Good. How are you, Nathan? <laughs> I'm happy to be alive, happy to be vertical, happy to be drawing breath into these lungs and expelling out CO2. Another, and another man spitting CO2 out of his lungs, having transformed it from oxygen. 
<laughs> it's Darth Vader. <laughs> no, it's Benjamin Salzer, our beloved engineer. How you doing today, Ben? Good, Nathan. I'm glad to hear it. Hey, guys, today, let's get right into it. Our episode today begins with a New Yorker article that I sent out that I found pretty fascinating and thought might be worth some discussion. It's, it's on the Japanese phenomena of renta families. Yeah, it, it appears in the print edition of The New Yorker, the April 30th issue of this year. And the headline is A Theory of Relativity. <laughs> a theory of Relativity, because it's about renta families. It's families. So, so tell us about the renta family. Wait, get it, it's relatives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got it. There you go, yes. Jake. Tell us about the renta family uh, industry, Benjamin. The article is structured around an interview with Yuichi Ishii, founded a company named Family Romance. So it allows you to rent various family members. Um, okay, so like, what, what's an example of that? Well, one of the one of the main examples in the article. So, real a widower, a lonely widower, paid a woman and a younger girl to come and play his wife, who had been dead a while, and his daughter, who he was, he was estranged from. And they would they would take the names of the wife and daughter, and they would learn the mannerisms of the wife and the daughter, and they would have dinner with him and stuff like that. So that's that gives you a pretty good idea of just how far this service goes. Yeah, to give you an even better idea, the company motto is actually, quote, more pleasure than real pleasure can provide, unquote. <laughs> yeah, so, so get this. Here's a quote from the article. Quote, one woman had been impersonating a man's wife for seven years. The real wife had put on weight, so the husband hired the stand-in to go out with him and his friends. The same actress had also replaced overweight mothers at school events. The children of overweight parents may be subject to bullying. Just to make sure that everybody gets it, this guy's wife was fat. And, and he so, was embarrassed by it. And he was embarrassed by her, and he thought maybe his kids would be bullied because their mom was fat. So he hires a skinny woman, and this skinny woman has actually done this, for it sounds like, for multiple families, people that are... And she goes out to public events and is the public mother of these kids because the kids and dad are embarrassed of how fat mom's gotten. Yeah, that must make the real mom feel great. Yeah, this kind of thing, well, there's a lot of examples of this kind of thing. Here's another quote from the article. Single women with marriage-obsessed parents often rent fake boyfriends or fiancés. If the parents demand to see the boyfriend again, the woman will typically stall for a while and then say things didn't work out. But sometimes the parents can't be put off and matters escalate. Ishii, uh, Ishii's the company founder, Right. Ishii says that two or three times a year, he stages entire fake weddings, unquote. So... Two or three times a year, this guy has to stage entire fake weddings. And it's it's fascinating. In the article, he describes the, like, really weird emotional investment that he's... It's like him and these paid actors. And they're in these situations where they're actually spending months planning a fake wedding. And the thing about planning a fake wedding is that you still have to hire the carrier. You still have to choose the music. You still have to go through the whole formula of what, you know, you, you spend all that time with someone, you do all the work, you begin to make these weird emotional investments. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really weird. And there are lots of other weird services that they offer, like, for instance, the rental scolder. Now, the guy who wrote the article says this about it, quote, scolders are hired not, as I had assumed, by clients wishing to berate third parties, but by people who made a mistake and need help to atone. In other words, he, he, he saw that there were rental scolders. He assumed that 
okay, you hire somebody to go and berate somebody that you don't like. No. Maybe you're a single woman with, uh, you know, a kid that needs a good scolding, so you bring in... Right, something like that. That's what he assumed it would be, but actually... Actually... Yeah, yeah, to get out of the pressure of school. But no, it's actually, I made a mistake. I screwed up. I wanted daddy to come and make me feel bad about it. <laughs> I need help atoning. I need I need to feel bad. And, I, and so I just hire somebody to come and make me feel bad about this awful thing that I did. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of more of a Japanese way to look at reality than we're used to in America. Okay, here's here's another here's another weird thing. Okay, quote, more stressful still are apologies involving affairs. A deceived husband sometimes demands a personal apology from his wife's lover. Unfaithful wives with uncooperative lovers may rent substitutes. Ishii's tactic in these situations is to apply a temporary tattoo to his neck and dress like a yakuza. He goes to the couple's house, and when the husband opens the door, he falls to his knees and apologizes profusely. The idea seems to be to diffuse potential violence through a combination of surprise, fear, and flattery. If you saw this situation in a Adam Sandler movie, you'd think, oh, that was a contrived comedy setup, you know? Basically what? This guy, you've got a a wife with a deceived husband who's demanding an apology from her lover. So she goes and she hires somebody who dresses up like a gangster (laughs) and shows up at the door and falls on his knees and freaks the crap out of the husband. Apologizing, but because also he's apologizing profusely while posturing himself as a gangster who might kill you, <laughs> and so oh, that the whole idea is okay. He got what he wanted, and he's not going to ask any more questions. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> That's the article. Basically, you can read it. Like we said, it's the April thirtieth, two thousand eighteen issue of the New Yorker. Headline was the theory of relativity, and we'll include a link to it in the show notes. But man, guys, those Japanese sure are dumb and and lonely and sad, right? We don't have any problems with false intimacy or anything like that. Yeah, and certainly not with shame and no. I mean, it's ridiculous. We're not a country full of lonely, broken people who have messed up families and messed up family connections. We're not trying to atone for stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're not seeking intimacy in wrong and weird and bizarre ways. We never feel pressure or loneliness. None of us have ever been tempted to lie to our parents about a lover or a friend or anything like that. So, So here's the thing. Japan takes its cues off of, I mean, like, what 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 does this remind you guys of? It reminds you of the world's old, oldest profession, right? It reminds you of prostitution. Mm-hmm. It's just hmm. uh, people want intimacy and relationships or whatever. But Japan's just being really honest about it, or this company or these companies in Japan are being really honest about it. It's like, okay, well, we'll hire it out, for mm-hmm. you, right? You pay, you get to live with a fake wife and daughter. Yeah, and, and of course meals with them. In case anyone didn't catch it, there was a hint of a smidgen of sarcasm in what we were just saying about <laughs> Americans never dealing with these kinds of things. But what I think is fascinating about the Japanese culture is that what, what, what do we always say? Hypocrisy is the the tribute that virtue pays to vice. The, the tribute that virtue pays to vice. The vice pays to virtue. The, the vice pays to virtue. The Japanese culture, not founded like much of Western civilization, is in Christianity. Doesn't have to pay that tribute. They don't have to be hypocrites about it. So it's not that we don't deal with all these same things in America, but they're just ahead of us in terms of just offering services that blatantly commodify solving these problems for people. They just deal with these issues very directly by commodifying personal relationships. You just hire somebody to come. Right. And we do it in our own very special, unique American sorts of ways. Which leads us to our new segment, Fun Facts. 
Now, guys, we've got some fun facts because obviously the way that Americans do this, they do it with porn, they do it with social media, they do it with video games, they do it with opioids, they do it with all kinds of things. And so just to kind of nail that point home, here are some fun facts. Ben, tell us some fun facts about pornography. Oh, boy. Well, so here's uh, a leading free porn website's statistics for last year, 2017. It had 81 million visitors per day. That's 28.5 billion visitors for the year. There are 50,000 searches per minute, 800 per second, um, 4 million porn videos uploaded, which was like almost 600,000 hours. Yeah, this is really weird and gross, but 68 years worth of porn were uploaded just this year. If you were sit down, to sit down and watch everything that was uploaded, it would since take you... Since January s- of this year. Since January, it would take you 68 years. And Solid, 24-hour days. Mm-hmm, just, right. just watching porn. Every five minutes, this website transmits more data than all 50 million books in the New York Public Library's collection. Now, what about social media? We don't have time to give you a whole bunch of social media facts, but Jake, tell us about Facebook, just Facebook. So according to the Pew Research Center, some 68% of U.S. adults are now Facebook users. Fully 74% of Facebook users visit the site daily with around half saying they do so several times a day. So this is another way that people just are pursuing false vicarious intimacy. Right. And here's another one. Video games, Twitch. I don't know if our listeners know what Twitch is, but it's a site known for live streaming. So so basically you play video games. and and This is people watching other people play video games instead of being in the same room with them well well, it's getting more and more popular because people are 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 getting into watching celebrities or whatever play play video games right but there are people that are simply celebrities just because they they're the one thing that they're famous for is playing video games while other people 9.7 million daily active users on twitch this was in 2015 is when the latest statistics were over 241 billion minutes of content minutes of people just uploading their video games so that other people can watch them play video games so they can watch other people play video games. Over 241 billion minutes of content. Yeah, so you have all the ways that people seek false intimacy, whether that's through porn or social media or uh, living vicariously through characters on TV or in movies, watching other people play video games, and then you have all the ways that people medicate. And we are in the midst of a massive opioid crisis in America. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, in 2016, 116 people died every day from opioid overdose. 11.5 million people misused prescription opioids, and 2.1 million people had an opioid disorder. Now, again, why do we bring in opioid stuff? Well, there's a study about 40 years ago that was exploring the nature of addictions. People can look this up. It's called the Rat Park Study. The Rat Park Study. That's right. It's resurfaced as people have have been examining the uh, relative ineffectiveness of the war on drugs in America and because we're facing an opioid crisis. Now, what this study, and and it's a little controversial, and some people say, okay, well, the study's not exactly replicable, and you know maybe the dynamics between rats and humans aren't, aren't <laughs> one aren't to exactly one exactly <laughs> one to one right but here's what here's what they observed is that rats living in community in a rat park were less likely by tremendous amounts they're much less likely to dope themselves up on morphine because they were in community with a, with one another and but rats that were in isolation they doped themselves up on morphine they got strung out and they killed themselves so here's the here's the idea addictions are are more than just physical, chemical interactions. There are environmental factors involved too, and those environmental factors involve healthy relationships. The, the argument has been made by many people smarter than me 
that maybe one of the biggest factors in addiction and in the rising opioid crisis is not highly potent chemicals, but the lack of healthy relationships and healthy communities in people's lives. And so in America, yeah, we don't hire fake families. Mm -hmm. We don't rent a family, but we do have tons of ways of coping for our our lack of healthy relationships. Whether it's social media or video games or whatever it is. Yeah, or ways that we medicate to compensate for the fact that we don't have real healthy relationships. Whether it's alcohol or opioids or whatever that is. That's right. And that concludes Fun Facts. Now, what are we trying to say, Jake? Well... You've got this. You've got the Japanese over there. Yeah, They've commodified read, the whole. Yeah, and you read the New Yorker article, and it it's the kind of thing that sounds to our ears so bizarre. It's like a bad episode of, which is to say, a normal episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> yes, exactly. <Right. laughs> <laughs> well, that's the that's the whole problem with Black Mirror is they just can't keep up, and that's uh, I make fun of them, but they they did they sure do try, but they it's, just cannot keep up. Yeah, it's a, it's just another instance of of the world sounding beyond parody, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do you how do you, you can't make this stuff up? Yeah. And the Japanese are aware of that, by the way. The article talks about how so there's been murder mysteries written, and a lot of their entertainment will just deal with the weirdness of what if a fake rent-a-mom was murdered? You know, they, they yeah. sort of deal with, they actually are thinking about this. They're not unaware of the craziness of it all. And the reality is that we've got our own very similar problems here in America that are very real, and mm-hmm. they're all bound up with the fact that our families are in a wreck, our communities are in a wreck, and our churches have made principles of anonymity and not offering and not requiring real fellowship, real community, and real intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so you read this sort of thing and you feel crazy and you wonder, okay, what's what's the answer? What's the what's the solution to the problem? How do we turn this back around? And of course, the real answer that we come back to on the show and that we want to come back to here today is that it may sound trite to say, but Y'all need Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yes. Specifically, what you need is a real church community in which there are real loving and intimate relationships. And that's the first step to restoring the family and restoring real intimacy in real people's lives. And that leads to healthy individuals, healthy people in a healthy society where there's not an opioid crisis. If we want to see opioids go away, if we want to see pornography go away, if we want to see all, you know, rampant addictive video game usage go away, the way that these things if will... vicarious participation. Yes, and, and said, yeah. If we want to see these things vanquished in, in society at large, the way that they will be vanquished is through the church offering real community, real intimacy, so people don't have to turn to these false idols. Yeah, and the church then and modeling real intimacy and real community so that families and, and people who are, are trying to pick up the pieces of their lives can, can start over and start to develop healthy marriages and healthy kids. Yeah, I mean, it just seems really clear that... Oh, my stars! I guess it's not that clear. It's, it's typical. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brother. All right, well, that, of course, as our... Dear listeners will know is the devil's advocacy alarm the part of the show where that alarm goes off because as much as after every episode I tell Ben to un- uninstall the the darn thing I try he tries try. <laughs> he ripped out the entire wall over there yeah. the, but it, the point is devil's advocacy alarm goes off one of us is forced against their own will to play the devil's advocate to argue for the opposite position of what we have been arguing Jake. You've been having a good run as a devil. I'm just going to have you do it again for us. All right. 
here I go. First things first. Y'all just love to use the church as alternately your whipping boy and your hero, and you never really quite define what you mean. And it sounds like what you mean is every other church is your whipping boy and your own special church is the hero. And what you end up with is these like vague terms where the church is the problem. And when you've got a problem, we can blame it on the church. See, the church is the problem because even our churches aren't providing the intimacy and the relationships and the connections and the instruction that people need. And if they found it in the church, but the church is full of porn, people addicted to porn and all this other stuff. But the church is the answer too, because the church is the only place where you can find, you know, real healthy, loving, intimate relationships. But you don't give us any steps forward, any way out any clear definition of either what the problem is specifically or how to address it specifically. You just sort of say the church is the problem and the church is the answer. You know what? And that's I'll, really unhelpful. I'll, I'll, I'll cop to that a little bit, Devil. I'm not going to say we've totally uh, butchered it every time we've mentioned the church on the show, but I'll, I'll cop to uh, maybe falling into that trap every once in a while. So let me let me try and define things a little bit more for you. The church, insofar as there has been widespread failure of the church in the Western world insofar as uh, pastors oftentimes don't preach to men's consciences insofar as they consider their whole work to be the work of speaking in the pulpit and then they don't actually love and care for the people, shepherd the sheep, go to people, see things in their lives, talk to them, help them, counsel, do that. Insofar as you can find many, many churches, and many of our listeners will have found themselves in many, many churches where those things are not happening in a good or a healthy way, the church has failed, and it should be no surprise to anyone that people are turning to pornography, that people are turning to opioids, that people are turning to all kinds of things, seeking the intimacy that they should be finding in the community that uh, Christ gives us in his bride. Now, insofar as there are still in many places, not just my church, but in many places, there are faithful shepherds out there. There are faithful pastors. There are faithful churches. Insofar as many of our listeners do attend those faithful churches where the shepherds shepherd their flock, where people care about each other insofar as that exists that is the solution so yes maybe maybe we should come up with <laughs> two different names for it but ultimately the big church the church worldwide has failed and also there are many faithful churches and i just think you're being unfair if you're saying i can't be talking about either one you know the difference between the two you know i'm talking about more yeah, than but but so here's the thing that irks me about how you talk about it on the show one you do it in a way that is still sort of like mystical and magical. And if I'm out there and I don't feel like, uh, okay, my church is the villain, I don't feel like I have any solution except what to move to a place where there's a good church. And two, you seem to kind of be short-circuiting the actual mechanism of change in people's hearts, which is not environmental and it's not sociological. It, it, when you talk about the church in these in these kind of big terms, it, it sounds like what you're talking about is some kind of like sanctification by sociology or sanctification by an environment. If you're just in the right environment, it sucks that you're not because you're in a bad church, but if you're in the right environment, then things would just be okay and all your problems would be solved. And the fact is, that's not the way the Bible talks about sanctification. The Bible talks about sanctification in terms of putting to death the deeds of the flesh by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that changes and transforms our lives. And there can be Christians in all kinds of really bad environments, unhealthy situations that can grow beyond this stuff and have power to change without 
passive, mystical, just be a part of a good church kind of thing that you seem to espouse on this show. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms people's lives. And he can do it in hard and difficult circumstances and situations and environments. That's the whole beauty and point of the Christian doctrine of sanctification. It doesn't matter what environment you live in. It doesn't matter your home environment or where you come from. God has power for you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you, he says in Ephesians. And that power can overcome any number of circumstances and situations that you're a part of. And so to just say the church is to just, it, it, it's not just to make it misty. It's also to rob people of the hope of transformation who don't have access to the kind of environmental factors that you are saying are necessary. And it's to rob God of the glory uh, of, of changing people. And it's to basically espouse a very weak form of sanctification that's not actually helpful to people. Well, and just to suddenly, oh, unexpectedly jump on the devil's advocate side of things. Ben, you traitor. I'm sorry, I can't help it. It's, it's, it's the primary means is the word of God. The word of God establishes the church and not the other way around. And at times, the word of God has led various men to stand against or outside of their churches, call them to reformation, criticize them, or even to leave them. And you can't put the church above the word of God because that leaves a lot of people, Christians, who love the word of God, but are in a church where their pastor won't, dare I say, won't follow it or preach it? Well, in other words, leaves them high and dry. In other words, what you're getting close to is just some real Roman Catholic garbage where you're only a, a half step away from you might as well just be saying the mass in Latin and because passively attending the services and partaking of the sacraments and them, you know, being a part of the visible church, that's all you actually need. Okay, so the... The short answer is that God works through means. And just because people are corrupt and sometimes corrupt those means doesn't mean that we can't generally look and see that God works through means and then tell people to use those means. But before we get to that short answer, I'll jump ship too. And I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be the devil. You guys might be painting with a little bit of a broad brush, but I can imagine people out there listening that just aren't in a community with a good church. And it would be very easy for Sound of Sanity, the podcast, to say, well, you should just move. Well, it's not always that easy to just uproot your entire life. If there's a place where, I mean, we work hard on the show to avoid pat answers, but mm -hmm. if there's a place where we give the pat answer, yeah, this is it. Yeah, we right. say the church and oh, that'll solve all your problems. Just be part of a good, healthy community. <laughs> okay, great. You know, where can I find one of those? <laughs> <laughs> you know, love and trust our leaders. Great. Where can I find some leaders? I've got a solution but for it you, Mister. Feels Mr. cathartic yeah. to just say the church is That's the problem, right. guys. I've got a solution for you, Mister. Amputee, just grow a new leg. If <laughs> <laughs> you just had two legs, you'd be fine. You could walk around. That's so right. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> just make that. cool robot legs. Um, so yeah, I think we're gonna come back. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna answer the devil. I think we all know how we're going to answer the devil, <laughs> but I want to admit that, that before we go to break that the devil has a point. Yeah, we'll be right back after this. Are you a pastor or a church planner looking to better establish your church in the local community? If so, you know it's not all about bringing in huge numbers. It's about bringing in massive numbers. But pastors and church planners can't just be in the business of making converts and attendees. There's something larger we have to call people to. It starts with a D. Is it passion? Uh, no. I really thought the answer was passion. 
Come on, Ben, use your head. You have to think. Did you hear a word he said? Yeah. So the answer is clearly authenticity. <laughs> Great guess, Jake, but also dumb and wrong. We can't just call people to be converts. We have to call them to this thing. It starts with a D. The answer, of course, is diversity. But Nathan, diversity's hard. My congregation's wider than a Kenny G concert. Wow, really? Yeah, Nathan, a Kenny G concert attended by the whole cast of Full House in a snowstorm. Mm, that's pretty white. You can say that again, Nathan. It's wider than Pat Sajak listening to Wilco on a white iPhone in a mayonnaise factory. Wow, guys. As white as Will Smith's rap career? Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not exaggerate yeah, we, this. Nathan, we were being serious. <laughs> the point is, fellas, many churches struggle with diversity, even passionate, purpose-driven, authentic, relevant churches. Even PPDARCs? Whatever shall we do? I'm glad you asked, Jake and Ben. See, you can change all of that for your church with but the click of a mouse at token.com. Token.com? What's that? At token.com, you can order from a wide array of persons to add a little color to your faith community. Wait, Nathan, do you mean that my church could use token.com to order our very own token black guy? Ben, we don't think of them as token black guys. We think of them as token persons of color. So I can get a black guy to just come to my church? That's right, Jake. Small group and Sunday school available for an additional fee. Okay, that sounds great, Nathan, but uh, I have to ask this question. I'm not quite sure how to do it, but um, are these people from a... Uh an urban environment? <sighs> no, Jake. Of course not. Every member of our token family undergoes a rigorous training process to make sure they'll behave in the affirming, non-threatening, upwardly mobile manner of Morgan Freeman in every movie ever made. Morgan Freeman's kind of an old reference, isn't he? We just updated it from Bill Cosby. Fair enough. So let me just get this straight. You're treating black people as a commodity to be sold to a willing public? That makes you sort of similar to a, a certain other institution, doesn't it? That's right, Jake. We're exactly like Marvel Studios. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, do you offer other ethnicities at Token.com? <laughs> of course, Ben. We offer every person group that your church or faith community could want. Asians, LGBTQ, attractive young women. That's pretty much it, actually. Wow. Move over. Total depravity. More like total diversity. Our church will be more diverse than a Banana Republic ad. And more cool and authentic than an ad for Hot Topic. That's right, Jake. As authentic as that. Thanks, Token.com. Thanks, Token.com. Token.com, the cash for people program that assuages white guilt. Real diversity, real cheap. Okay, and we're back. Another edifying segment during the break there, as always. Um, okay, so the devil is saying that we are cheap in the way that we use church, that uh, we kind of just wave our magic wand and say, church! Yeah, and then he took it another step and said that we take it too far and we basically advocate uh, sanctification by sociology or environmental mm -hmm. sanctification, something along those lines. Or yeah. just a plain, straight up sort of legalism in the sense that Roman Catholics are often... Yeah. Are, so what's the answer to that? I began to allude to it before the break. The church is one of the primary means of grace that God calls us to. It's, it's a false dichotomy to pit the Holy Spirit against the means the Holy Spirit uses to sanctify us. What the devil was actually doing was creating a straw man and switching the waving of the magic wand, mm. right? Oh, it's all, it's spiritual. It's the Holy Spirit who does it. But the Holy Spirit works through means. 
he doesn't just magically cause change in our lives. There are there are places and times in people's lives where he may do that. He may transform you and remove a temptation or remove a sin or remove whatever in your life. But generally speaking, the Holy Spirit works through the means he has appointed to do the work that he says he will do in scripture. And those means begin and, and end in the local church. There are the sacraments, there are the preaching, the preaching of, the word, of the word, fellowship, fellowship. Of, and community of the saints, and prayer and corporate worship. Mm-hmm. What you see in Acts chapter 2, that those who were converted began giving themselves to immediately. And, and legalists just always want to str- take one of those things and make them into the whole package. I mean, that's almost the definition of, le- you know, a Roman Catholic legalist is someone that takes church and the outward forms and makes them into a big deal. But then I've probably in my life personally just known more legalists that throw around the word Holy Spirit to justify the fact that they don't actually want to do the work of putting to death the deeds of the body. No, you're right. So they're just going to talk about grace, talk about the Holy Spirit, let those be the kind of rituals, the magic wand that they wave so that they can just say that they've, they've done their due diligence and they're holy before God. It turns out being holy before God actually is a work of the Holy Spirit that it takes a lifetime to accomplish and involves a lot of different means and methods of God working in our lives. What about the objection that I brought up back when I was being a devil's advocate about the word of God having to have the, needing to have the primacy? What about it? Are you going to answer it or what? Oh, maybe that's something we could talk about more in a later episode, since there are certainly churches you can find who aren't going to follow the Word of God. And when you try to address it as a member of those congregations, according to the Word of God, you might not be listened to, and you might find yourself being opposed by church leadership. Okay, that can happen. But the fact is that the Word of God established the church so that officers of the church could preach and teach the word to you. And so God didn't mean for you to be a Lone Ranger Christian alone with your Bible. That's not actually how you come to understand the word of God. You rely on those who've gone before you. You rely on, in fact, the discipline of the church. Yeah, but looking at the abuse of something, looking at the abnormal cases, everybody just wants to take those things and make them normative. And it's like, no. God generally is going to work through the preaching of the word. He's going to work through the local church. And that's what we're talking about in every episode where we've, where we've, as the devil wants to say, waved our magic wand and said the church. That's, that's what we're talking about. And insofar as the church fails to do that, or local churches are failing to do that, that's where the problems generally begin. Sinners are always going to sin. That's true. But counterfeits can't stand up to the real deal. And the fact is we have an abundance of counterfeits. We have all kinds of ways of seeking intimacy that are false and fake and stupid because there just aren't real options. Okay, so then we come back to the idea that, okay, so we have all kinds of churches in America and those churches uh, may or may not be failing. Okay, fine, you you don't go to a perfect church. It's on you to do the work of being a good church member, though, still just the same. And maybe you do need to move because you're in a bad situation or whatever, but there are things that you can do to be a good church member, to love your brother, to avoid all of the false intimacy traps that we have, even in our churches. Okay, so part of what the devil is accusing us of doing is not giving anybody real answers. You ready for it? Here are the real answers. Avoid in your life every temptation to false intimacy. And okay, pornography and opioids, that's one thing. That's That sounds easy. That sounds like the, a cheap, easy answer. But, but how about this? How about finding your Christian identity in the Facebook groups that you're a part of? How about showing up to church and instead of engaging in a meaningful conversation with somebody about, I don't know, 
God, about the sermon, about uh, what's going on in your life really spiritually, uh, about confessing sin or uh, giving people opportunities to confess sin? How about all the times where you show up at church and instead of engaging in a meaningful conversation, you just talk about the weather or about the football game or the baseball game or the movie that you saw last night instead of actually engaging in a real conversation about spiritual things, about the sermon, about what's going on in your life, about sins you need to confess. How about how about the uh, podcasts that you listen to? Maybe even this one that yeah, you use as a substitute you're... for actual intimacy with, I mean, I want to, I, I'd love to be your friend as much as I can on the internet, but I, I don't smell your breath. I don't know what your kids are like. I can't rebuke you and love you and be a friend to you and you can't be a friend to me the way that we could actually be if we were in church together. Yeah, and that's kind of difficult to talk about because we do, we want to be helpful to you, we want to be friends to you, encouragers to you, and we want those our relationship with you, relationships with you as listeners to be as real as we can make them. If you hit us up on social media, we are going to try to respond to you or whatever, but man, I can't be your pastor. We can't be your your friends not like this Mm -hmm. we're great don't get us wrong (laughs) but we 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 can't replace the work of god's people in your life so you need to cultivate real relationships and that's really the point and there are all kinds of ways to do that when i was in college um, i went to a church there wasn't a lot of intimacy in the church but you know what i did I, i made some friends with some uh families that were older and I invited myself over, asked them if I could come over regularly for dinner. I had a family that I went to their house every Monday night for dinner and was just a part of a family for a while. Some of that was just I wanted to see what a Christian marriage was like and I I wanted to get outside the bubble of just me and my college buddies. There are all kinds of things that you can do to seek out real fellowship and real community in your church, real relationships that go beyond. And there are ways that you can be that for people who are hungry for it uh, if you just decide to be generous and hospitable. Yes, absolutely. Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. If you actually are listening to this and you are in a dead church in a community with just dead churches, then I just want to say move. I mean, I don't know. I know that might sound like a non-answer because you can't actually do it, but there's just very few real excuses in life to not have some form of this. I mean, this well, is... Well, and you've done it. What's you've, that? You've done it. I have done it, actually. I did uproot my life. I had a job. I was up for a promotion, and I uh, left it with just the money that was in my savings account. Now, I had a little bit of a net. I don't want to act like I'm, I'm... I wasn't a hero or anything, but I just was in a community where... I wasn't being fed the way that I wanted to be, the way that I thought God wanted me to be. And so I left and I'm so glad that I did. It's been, it's been great. It's been great. But I understand that's a difficult thing to call people to. I'm not trying to offer a cheap answer. I'm just saying the church is the apparatus that God uses in our lives. You just have to give yourself to that. You have to do it. You have to do it one way or another. Your church will be imperfect. Your church will fail you. This Um, is a messy world we live in. I know it's, it may sound trite to say it's a messy, broken world full mm-hmm. of messy, broken people, but that's just the way it is. A messy, broken world full of messy, broken people and messy, broken churches. The way that we deal with it is we work through it together, not by ourselves. We're there for one another and we depend on one another. We confess sin to one another and we love one another and encourage and rebuke and exhort one another, apply the word of God to one another, and that's how we grow.
And that's how we begin to get healthy. And we begin to see what it is to be a godly man or a godly woman, a godly husband, a godly father, a Mm -hmm. godly son, a godly daughter. And it really is messy and imperfect. You know, there's people that hear this kind of stuff. I did it at a certain point in my life. And then they want to turn it into a hammer to beat everybody with, you know, we must have true intimacy. Hello, person I just met in this foyer. Tell me your deepest, darkest sins right now. No, maybe you should talk to that person about the weather, okay? Like, don't hear what Jake's saying about not just talking about sports and say and make a stupid principle out of it. Just go and love people and have humility and give yourself to the work. So what's the point? The Japanese have their own ways of pursuing false intimacy. And we have ours. And we certainly have ours. And people need to forsake those, number one, whether it's opioids, Facebook, pornography, podcasts, if that's an addiction, if that's how you get all your intimacy is through hanging out with Nathan Alberson, then I'm sorry. As awesome as Nathan Alberson is, gotta, gotta, gotta get rid of those things. And number two... Well, you have to pursue real intimacy, real intimacy in your church. And that starts by, you can't just say no to some of these things. You have to say yes to what real intimacy is and real relationships are. So it's showing up on Sunday morning, but it's more than that. It's engaging with the people there and loving the people there and caring about and for the people there and sharing your life with the people there. That means doing more than just talking about the movies that you just saw or the the games that you just watched or whatever, but really engaging with someone else's soul, opening up so other people can engage with with you on spiritual things and and accepting the fact that it's going to be messy and it's not going to be perfect and it's going to take it takes time to develop real relationships it takes work it's not as quick and easy as getting the gratification of of likes on instagram or facebook or retweets on twitter or the instant gratification of pornography Mm -hmm. takes work so man up and do the work and don't whine about it and don't whine about us giving you some kind of cheap answer it's it's not cheap it's hard we we can't give a detailed roadmap to every single person you know it's going to be different for different people situations is different and we're just telling you man up and give yourself to the work of being in real fellowship and community with other people and trust that god will use that as he's promised as a means by the holy spirit to transform your life and speaking of life-transforming events, how's, how's symbiosis working for you, Ben? Oh, Nathan, it's, it's going so great. I mean, I'm just so excited about how well symbiosis narrows, uh, narrows the playing field. So uh, how many dozens of women have well, you found <laughs> so far? Well, I don't know do I want to talk specific numbers here, but if you're an eligible young lady who can uh, become a member of my website, why don't you look up symbiosis.com? It's it's just great. I mean, have you ever had? I mean, have you ever had a pineapple bacon? And Jake, I'm gonna Shiitake I'm gonna go ahead and just uh, end and the episode. You may be eligible. Yeah, we'll just fade out now. Hey, coming up uh, in a couple weeks, folks, we'll be watching Solo, the Solo movie. So that's the next movie we'll be watching. How could we go Solo? We'll see whether Benjamin Solzer returns after that particular comment. Hey, speaking of Benjamin Solzer, he engineered this fine program. It was produced by me. It was executive produced by Jacob Menzel and myself. Hey, until next time. Stay sane. Stay sane.